What the Health with Gabby Allen on FUBAR Radio. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to my show, What the Health. I'm Gabby Allen, and you may know me off the screens, or more importantly, as a fitness influencer, or shall I say, fitness professional, or hopefully, and most importantly now, you know me for this amazing show. So what do you have to look forward to in this show? We meet some of the leading fitness and health professionals in the industry, discussing hot topics, debunking myths and misconceptions, and learning a thing or two. And of course, helping you on your fitness journeys as well. That's what we're here for. So today's show, what do we have in store for you today? Later on, we have the fabulous Talia and Julia Hart, ex-Great Britain skiers. I was skiing this weekend, so it's on theme. Not as good as them, though. And then we have Dr. Aisha Iqbal, NHS doctor and weight loss coach. But first... First and foremost, in this first segment, we're going to discuss some of the latest health and fitness trends. And to do that, joining me now is Dr. Natalia Spearings, consultant and dermatologist. Round of applause for you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. She's just come straight from the gym, guys, showing us up. (laughs) Done better than me today. Thanks for coming today, hon. No problem. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So you are a dermatologist. Yes. Yes, and I want to talk to you specifically for my aging face about skincare tools. Aging face. Aging face. Well, <laughs> it's all relative. We won't mention the Botox and the Profilo <laughs> and sleeping on my back. Um, okay, so skincare tools. Do they work? Tools. Do you recommend? Yeah. So I think you're referring to like um, the little roller things, yeah. the jade rollers, yeah. that, that kind of tool? Yes. Yeah, I mean, they, work is it's a very vague term. So it depends what you want it to do. But generally speaking, they don't do anything for your skin in a positive way, though they might feel good. Okay. So you can't, like, it's not, like, working out for your face. No, 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 no. All that time lost and spent doing that. But you don't really want to work out your face because you just mentioned Botox earlier. Botox relaxes muscles, stops them from moving. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so if you work out your face, like, make facial expressions on purpose to... Oh build the muscle. You don't want to. I mean, who you're wants to build facial muscle? Going against yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You you you're spending all this money and these needles making your muscles <laughs> relax to relax the wrinkles. Okay, so stick to the Botox slash yeah, the tools. Yeah, no, fine. No, no tools and no <laughs> facial exercises, please. Okay, fine. Okay, so speaking about dermatology, then mm. slugging. You know slugging. what? Yeah. This is actually new to me. I'd okay. never heard of it before, so I obviously don't research skincare that much, um, which I should. But I just want to know. Apparently, it's viral on social media right now. Apparently, it's everywhere. So can you explain exactly what it is? So from what I understand, so slugging is not a medical term, just FYI. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's definitely (laughs) a TikTok term. In the books. Yeah, it's not in the textbooks yet. Um, But it refers to putting copious amounts of uh, Vaseline-type ointment or Vaseline on top of your, what people refer to as active treatments. Okay. To, like, apparently help them absorb better or something along that line. But it's, like, a lot of stuff, like... Yeah. Okay, so you put your your actual facial products on first, yes. and then you put the Vaseline on. I, from what I understand, that's what they're meaning. Yeah, that's what they're referring to. Have you ever tried it? No. Do you recommend it? I, <laughs> so, <laughs> I like Vaseline. Okay. But a nice thin layer, like you just pat it on. It doesn't have to be like globbed on, like... Interesting. It's, like, it's not like mayo on a you know sandwich. It's, it's like <laughs> I love a, that a thin coating. I love mayo as well. Yeah, slap it on. Slap there. it on. But this is not the time to slap it on. So okay. this is a thin coating is all you need because it creates a barrier to water loss. So ointments like Vaseline are very good at hydrating skin because they trap moisture in the skin. That's what moisturizers do. So Vaseline is very good at that. You don't need to put loads of stuff on top of actives to get them to penetrate the skin better. That's just kind of a miss. So they should technically do what they. 
should do without the Vaseline on top of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, But the Vaseline almost like seals it in. That's what the idea, but it doesn't really, yeah, it doesn't really do that. But yes, that's what people think. And it's not a bad idea because it does, to, for me, like using it on top of things that can be a little bit irritating, like tretinoin or what people refer to as retinol, um, can, it can be a bit irritating. So if you put Vaseline on top, it can reduce that irritation. Okay. So for people with oily skin, for example, would mm. you say it's a no-go because it, would it block pores? No, so it doesn't. So Vaseline is non-comedogenic, so it does not block pores. I know. Everyone's like, what? Yeah. Because That's not true. No, it's true. It's, yeah, because you'd think because it was like Greasy. thick. Yeah. yeah, but clogging pores is a really like complicated thing. So you can't really clog pores with products per se. I know, I know. It's so you block things with like environmental factors. It's or... more, it's more like how your skin functions. So if you okay. produce um, cloggings in or cloggings, if you produce blocked pores, that's or comedones, we call them comedones. Then that's your how your skin is functioning, which is a not like normal skin functioning, if you get what I mean. So comedones aren't considered a normal part of skin. And that and that block pores is what causes blackheads and yeah. So comedones are blackheads. Yeah. Oh right, fine. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Comedones are that, <laughs> technical terms. Yeah, technical <laughs> terms. So that's like a blackhead, and that if a blackhead is a non-inflammatory acne lesion, so it's an acne spot that's not red, and right. that can turn into an acne spot that's inflamed. Okay, fine. I just have a quick question. Yeah, sure. Selfish question. Sure. Retinol, you mentioned. Yeah. I've only just started using it. Okay. Are you a big fan? Yes, but I, I'm a big fan of tretinoin, so that's the, the drug form. Okay. So retinol is a term used that just refers to any vitamin A derivative, but usually the way you're referring to it, it means like the over-the-counter stuff you can buy from, um, like, you know, I don't know, Selfridges or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> or boots. So, but tretinoin is the prescribed version of the same medicine. Which is known to be, um, it has a license for fine lines. Okay, so can you go? Could I go to the doctors today and say, "Listen, hon, it's getting to me." <laughs> you could <PH."> try that. <laughs> so, well, can you but, prescribe me? Uh, with? Yeah, I can prescribe, but pretty much a GP probably won't. Okay, so a GP will be like, "I'm sorry, that's cosmetic." Okay, so book me in with you yeah, after sure. the show, yeah. and I want some of that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no problem. Okay, so speaking of other skincare myths, then what's the biggest one that you come across? I think actually we've touched on that. So that um, that Vaseline or Orly products will clog pores. That's uh. one of the biggest um, myths. I have to work really hard to get that get around that problem um, to get people to understand that it doesn't clog pores. And then there's a lot of mythology. Mythology? Maybe no. not mythology. It's not ancient <laughs> Greek mythology, but around Botox. Yeah, it could be. Um, the, there's lots of misunderstandings about Botox and how it works and it can be dangerous or unsafe or it gets absorbed in the body. There's so many myths in skincare. It's like a never-ending, like, yeah. It's yeah. ending, basically. Well, at least it gives you a job. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, it gives me a job. <laughs> What's the it main does. thing that you see when people come to you? Is that the main thing that they come with you? So the main, so the, I mean, I, I see like all sorts of skin problems in adults, children, um, and, and all those people. So the, one of the main thing I would guess in, in younger people would be acne. Um, I see a lot of eczema. I see the, the, the most common skincare problems like Acne, eczema, skin cancer, melasma, which is a pigmentation problem, um, sun damage, sun damage type lesions that are precancerous. So there's just like, there's probably about 10 things that are super common in dermatology. Yeah, I suppose like with loads of people, there's going to be loads of different things. Yeah, 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 yeah. So speaking of back to the blackheads, yeah. um, comedones, sure. um, what do you think about exfoliating? Is that going to help um, take off that layer of skin? This is what I know about exfoliating. Sure. It helps take off the top of the skin, like... You know, like sandpaper, but yes, not sandpaper. Not you don't sandpaper. want it to feel like you that. Don't want it to feel like that. Um, and then that helps, like, release those pores, and then you can get it out with a little squeeze. So, so no. <laughs> Wait, you're doing so, it wrong forever. Yeah, no, no, you're doing it wrong. But like, so exfoliating using a scrub. So there's two ways to exfoliate. You can exfoliate using a scrub, like a, yeah, a scrub, basically. <laughs> um, or you can exfoliate using chemical exfoliations, like acids, um, to, like, 
unstick the top layer of the skin. But it does unstick the top layer of the skin and make it move a little quicker so your skin feels smoother Okay. right when you use it. Um, but it doesn't do anything for the blocked pores because that's more of a, a hair follicle problem. Right. The pore is deeper. A, it's deeper. Deeper rooted. It. Deeper rooted. Exactly. Okay. I'm actually going for a microneedling session after this. Are you? Yeah. Good. It's okay. my first one. Oh, right. Is this a good thing? Well, what do you try? Well, what do you. I, from where I'm sitting, you have very, very perfect skin. She has very, very perfect skin. Just, It's not just like a filter. It's L'Oreal True it's, Match, guys. It's, yeah, it's L'Oreal <laughs> True Match. It's, it's very well matched. Um, but you have really fabulous skin. So what do you want the microneedling to do? I don't know. I was recommended it. Oh. So <laughs> just okay. thought it would do well. Uh, okay, so if you have totally normal skin. Yeah, which pretty much. You seem to have. Yeah. Um, then microneedling won't do anything negative, hopefully. Okay, so I'm just going to cancel my appointment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does depend on what you want to see. So when people ask me, I'm like, well, what are you trying to achieve with this? Because microneedling is only, doesn't really do very much, but it can help temporarily improve the appearance of acne scarring, which you do not have. No. Yes, yeah, so I don't know why you're... Why you're so I think my friend, um, I, we were just talking, she does my Botox. So okay. she's saying that it would help the appearance of fine lines. No, you Bot- can't see that closely. Yeah, I definitely can't see that. Um, <laughs> so Botox definitely does that. Topical tretinoin does that, the cream that you're going to get. Yeah. Um, and But microneedling does, microneedling does not do that. Interesting. Okay. So, I mean, it's not a very nice facial either. Like, it's yeah, not exactly it hurts, relaxing. right? Yeah, so it's not exactly chill. And you're going to look pretty red for a few days. So it's a marketing technique. I would... And your friend's probably lovely, but um, I know Lucy. If you listen to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, it is yes. It is a. It is a very yes. Fine. Yep. Okay. Mm, Great. Sorry. I'm glad that I actually saw you before I went and did that to my face because then I was going to have a red face for the remainder of the day. Yeah, you were uh, for like tomorrow. So next one. Yeah. Water is one. it the best medicine that we can possibly give to our skin? If you drink it. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> just like just bathing <laughs> it. No, around. if you drink loads of if it. If you drink it. So no, not really, because your body's really good at maintaining its um, water balance. So there is no evidence to suggest that drinking excess water makes your skin more hydrated. Sorry. Though it's good for general health. Yeah, it and is. Kidney function. <laughs> so don't stop drinking water just because I said that. You know what? There's there's so many different opinions on water. There we are, had someone yes. a few weeks ago that drank too much water and she almost drowned herself. And now we're saying that it doesn't help with the skin. I'm like, what? Does water even does that even have any benefits? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't drink a lot. Of, I mean, I drink <gasps> mainly like diet coke and coffee. So I mean, people. I look at your skin. Oh, it's exactly. Guys, that's the solution. And I'm like 42. Coffee and Diet Coke. I'm doing it right coffee then. Coffee and Diet Coke. Love yeah, it. Totally. I've actually got one on the floor here. <laughs> and I've had three coffees already. I have one in already. my bag as well. So. <laughs> there you go. Yes, <laughs> us. Go us. Okay, so what is the one thing you'd wish you'd known when you were younger about before you became this amazing dermatologist? What, did, what do you wish that you would have known before? I wish that I had known there was a treatment for acne. There it. This treatment for acne. Oh my god, you heard it here first. Yes. It's an exclusive. Like a very good treatment. I mean, like in a very effective treatment. I wish I had known that when I was younger because I would have taken it. Did you have acne then? I had really, like, it was relatively mild acne compared to what I see now. Okay. But it was annoying enough where I was aware of having a spot and didn't want to like go to school. Yeah. Like, this was when I was living in high school. And what is that? What is the treatment? So it's got a drug called Roaccutane, which I know is very controversial. And I probably don't want to get into this conversation here, but yeah, a drug called Veracutane, which is a very effective treatment for acne. It has a, there's a lot of stuff in the media about it right now. But if you're interested in taking it, speak to your doctor. Yeah, my mom actually used to have acne on her neck, and she said that she was using all different. She went to see a dermatologist right. and was um, using all sorts of things. And then, oh no, maybe she was using things before to try and help it that she'd you know herself. And then she went to see a dermatologist. Right, right, she right. said, throw everything away, get Veracutane, yeah. and it cleared up. Yes, because it does. It it does exactly what it's meant to do. And it's very safe and effective um, in the correct patient. 
That's well, I mean, you know, the thing is, is that obviously the media is gonna. There's always something wrong with everything. You know, yes, there's yeah. positives and like I slugging, for example. Yes. I've had so many different opinions on it before the show today. Mm. I'm only gonna go off what you say though, because okay, you obviously yes, know everything absolutely. Um, but it's true. Like there's so many different yes. um, opinions on things. So I think you just have to. Same with training, though, isn't it? You have to just. Pick an opinion and stick to it, and that's what you want. Yeah, or go I, and see someone like you. Yeah, well, not with training, but I, I just, <laughs> I just with me, I'm like, well, I just do what my trainer says. Yeah, and so do what your dermatologist just, just says. Do what your dermatologist well. says. Yeah. Well, but don't say that you heard it first. Yeah, <laughs> oh my god, it was so great speaking to you today. I've learned so much. Thank, thank you, you so thank much you for having me. Thank you. And I, I will come and see you. Yeah, cool. About you have, my skin. Like, she has really perfect skin, everyone. So. I don't so know. do you though? Yeah, but. We could, we're going to sit here and argue about who's got best skin. You'd expect me, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you'd expect me to. If I had bad skin, you'd be like, oh, dodgy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like when you go to a hairdresser and they're... Bad hair. Yeah, then you're like, I'm not doing my I'm hair. running mate. away. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much, love. It's been great me. to meet you. And have a great rest of your day. You too, thank you. Okay, guys, how amazing was that? I've learned so much. I.e., slugging is a yes. Water is a no. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Aracatine is a maybe. Maybe go see your doctor about it. So, I want to talk to you about my exercise of the week, which is the Romanian deadlift. So, there's a few different types of deadlift variations, but we're going to talk about the Romanian deadlift today just because I feel like it should have been included in our school curriculum because it would have prevented so many lower back injuries or lower back pain in our future life, in our later life. Because... The RDL is literally used in pretty much everything we do. Picking up your children, picking up something off the floor, picking up your pants, you know, doing your trousers up. You, there's a way of doing it without aggravating your lower back. And of course, when you're younger, you are more agile. You bounce back quicker, so you might not have noticed it making the effect that you do now. But tell me, maybe it's, it is my age. Why do I always talk about my age? Anyway, tell me that it's not, you haven't experienced this too. When you don't bend your knees and you try and pick something up, like just levering from your back and you're like, oh, should have bent my knees then. That is essentially a deadlift. So how do you do a deadlift? Starting from the bottom, your feet are hit with the part. Your weight is in the middle to the back of the foot. You should be able to wiggle your toes. As you come up the leg, there should be a slight bend in the knee and you should be squeezing your glutes as you hinge back so you want to think about a chop and a drop as if someone's literally gone and chopped you in the waist you want to hinge back slightly bending the knees and your back is flat your shoulders are back um, shoulders are rolled down into the back and you would hold your hands either side of your if you're holding a barbell or dumbbells they are either side of your knees so as you drive up you're thinking about squeezing the glutes because it is a glute exercise and then you come back down that is essentially how you do a Romanian deadlift but it applies to picking up your suitcase off the floor it applies to everything that will a strengthen your glutes but also prevent you from hurting your lower back so the Romanian deadlift is working on your posterior chain it works on your erector spiny Spiny, spine, it's your lower back, your glutes, your hamstrings, and your core. It's an amazing core exercise. And as we know, our core is this fundamental of everything in life. So the stronger your core is, the better you'll be at everything. But the RDL, the Romanian deadlift, is also a fundamental exercise, if done correctly, in growing your glutes. So not only will you prevent lower back injury, but you can also get some booty gains. So... Thank me later. Get yourself to the gym, check your form, and get some RDLs up and going. And I will see you after this break. Hey! Foobar Radio presents Access All Areas. 
Mark from Married at First Sight UK. See, at the wedding, you told Sean you were 26, but you're actually 36. So drop in that decade. We ain't gone one or two years either side. What was going through your head when you thought, I'm going to shave off 10 years. A third of your life. Yeah. (laughs) It was instant reaction. As soon as anyone says to me, how old are you? I'm like 26. I just stopped counting after 26. Would I have told him? Probably not. Ever? Well, maybe when we're 80 years old and we've got the grandkids running rounds. Except like, you wouldn't be 80 years old. You'd be, <laughs> you'd be 90. 90. Yeah, you'd be 90. <laughs> I'd be 26 still. <laughs> I'd be going around the corner for some more injections. Politics on Censor. Joining me now, the former leader of the Labour Party, Jeremy Corbyn, MP. And there you are stood with hundreds of thousands of people at Glastonbury singing, you know, Jeremy Corbyn. What is that like? It was quite extraordinary. It was an amazing experience and I was very pleased we did it. Um, we wrote the office, we got very excited about Glastonbury. Every single person in the office thought it was necessary for them to be at Glastonbury. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they did. <laughs> yeah. Every single one said yeah. it was really necessary yeah. for them to yeah. come. The dating show. I'm friends with uh, a fair few sort of exes and, and I think you can be friends with an ex but yeah, I, I genuinely do. But I do think that he's Timing is everything with that. Well, it, I think it depends what you cast as a friend. Yeah, Are you I talking mean, about you know someone you're going to hang out with on your sofa? Like if you've already shagged, you know, isn't that a bit weird? Or is no, it I weird? think that's a different level of friend. Uh, I think that's a different level. Of, you can be friends with someone, but you can't be like best fucking friends with someone. I mean, I've got exes that I talk to about their current partners and, and whatever else, and they'll tell me about that sort of stuff. But I wouldn't say, oh, do you want to come over for fucking Chinese and chill on the sofa? You're listening to Food Bar Radio. Foobar Radio. 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 Hello and welcome back. Now we are joined by Talia and Julia Hart. I hope I've said that right. They are ex-Great Britain skiers, which is on theme because I've just come back from a skiing trip where I was trying to be you. Um, so <laughs> thank you for joining us today, guys. How are you? Good, how are you? Thank I'm, you for thank having, you us. having us. Okay, first of all, who is Talia and who is Julia for the for the guests? I'm Talia and I'm Julia. <laughs> okay, nice to meet you guys. So, first of all, we're going to get to know you very quickly. We, I'm going to ask you quick fire questions, and I'm going to say Talia answer this, Julia answer this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. First of all, Talia, three words to describe yourself. Ooh, um, energetic, bit loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, third one. Hmm, kind. Oh, I love that. Sounds like me, guys. Three words to describe me. No, I love that. And would you... Okay, three words to describe yourself, Julia. Julia? Okay. Yeah. Um, fun, uh, energetic, and optimistic. Oh, my God, I love that. Yes, girls. Okay. So, Talia, work out in the morning or evening? Morning. Fair enough, me too. Julia, what is your go-to cheat meal? Oh, um, a massive, proper Italian pizza. Oh, yeah, me too. Thin crust, <laughs> one of those chunky bits on the outside. Well, don't get me talking about pizza. I absolutely love it. Okay, do you, um, Talia, what is your workout anthem, your favourite song to train to? Oh, that's a very good one. I listen to the Disney Channel songs. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you wouldn't think that, would you? Really? <laughs> Yeah, or like, do you know Jojo? Yeah, get out yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah love it. Yeah, I mean, I love that song as well. But I thought you were going to say, I actually listen to like drum and bass or something like no. that. I was like, no, I actually listen to Poe Contest's, um movie soundtrack. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, and lastly, Julia, who is your dream workout partner? Obviously, apart from your sister. Oh, uh, that's a good one. Um, probably Lindsay Vaughn, I'm going to say, or Michaela Schifrin. Yeah. Two massive um, faces in the ski journey. Are they like your inspos then? I mean, yeah, they are. They do some... Well, Michaela Schifrin is still on the circuit and she is... Incredible. Yeah, she's got oh, really? a big world record at the moment and Vaughn did amazing things when she was racing as well. People like that are just not human, I don't think. I think they're like just <laughs> no. avatars, part no, no, alien. only a year older than me as well. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... We, we all need to have someone to look up to you guys. You, I'm sure loads of people look up to you as well. So speaking of which, how did you first get into skiing? Let's go with Talia answering that. Um, so our family actually took us on ski holidays when we were two years old. Yeah, wow. And then, so we were originally born in Scotland. Um, we moved down to England and we joined the primary school that had a ski team. And they just said, does anyone ski? Like we would like to start a race team on the dry slope circuit and we said yeah we do so wait, we wait, started wait. that and then at two years old no 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 uh, <laughs> at two years old we learned how to do it. i was like wait a minute <laughs> they must have been really good at two okay no, so no, when no, you were no. older okay got it got it sorry yeah, like when we were about eight okay fine old. amazing um yeah so we joined the like school race team and then we really liked it joined like a dry ski club sort of thing they took us away abroad and the rest is kind of history, to be honest. That's amazing, though. I think uh, we were saying this on my ski trip last week. There were so many, like, small children there as well. And I was like, yeah. wow, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. But I think when you're thrown into it in a young age, you, you don't have any fear when you're younger. And you can, mm -hmm. you know, you just throw yourself around and probably throw yourself down the mountain faster than someone learning at my age would do. I can actually yeah. ski, but I was with some girls that had never skied before and the fear that, that, that they experienced. And then they were like, I was in a class. I was in a beginner's class with children that were only as big as my knee and I kept knocking them over. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's amazing. And um, did you, did, was it one person that kind of led the other person more or would you say that, like, did someone love it more or was it like kind of a joint effort from the get-go? I don't actually know, to be honest. One, so, Jules has always been way less scared than I have. Um, I, like, had to have my fear broken. So when I was about 10, someone basically sent me straight down a black slope. I'm either going to be terrified <laughs> or I'm either going to love it. And I loved it, thank God. Oh, amazing. There you go. All that time you've been thinking. Like, I think it's it's the fact that they have the, the colours on either side. I think if you didn't know, then you wouldn't, yeah. like, you know, it is fear-mongering, isn't it? That's what we're going to call it, fear-mongering. <laughs> I could do a black slope as well. I reckon. I don't think good. Okay, so um, you represented Team Great Britain on multiple occasions in competitions. How amazing is that? What are the competitions like? A little intense. Bit in, yeah, insane, intense. to be honest. Um, As in everyone's just mental? So, like, <laughs> everyone's really, really, really good and everyone's really competitive and you're sometimes talking about competing against 140 girls that have trained as hard as you and as long as you and are, like, all vying for the one place that everyone wants, you know? So it's very intense and it's very competitive. Right. And obviously it's very different from um, when you're in Great Britain where you don't have any mountains, you can't train on the mountains every yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Training every day of the year, Amazing. like... It's like when you learn a language, it's better off to just go to the country, right? Yeah. yeah. So, Julia, your um, sister said that you had less fear than her. So would you say you're a bit of an adrenaline junkie? 
that black slope had your name written all over it right a hundred percent yeah really so like that and did that make you even more competitive when you got to these competitions because you're just like listen i know that you've been on the actual snow slopes all this time but (laughs) i can do just as good as you Um, I mean, yeah, it definitely helps. But also, I think it helps that my sister's four years older than me. So to see her in, I guess, we as we were training together, we were very competitive together. Yeah. So that also pushed me as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've always been very competitive. <laughs> that's amazing, though. And that's half of the battle, isn't it? Just having that um, yeah. that within you. Because sometimes you can you can be someone that's really good at something, but if you don't have that in a kind of fight that's what can hold you back so and also you've got your yeah. sidekick with you so use you two against the world um <laughs> so talia you were first diagnosed with celiac disease in 2015 and did that um when did you realize something wasn't right did it affect your training or what was it that you you know what was the telling tale um so this is probably not one of the most talked about symptoms but it affected my hormones more than anything so if you saw didn't know that they did I that. looked like I did not enjoy ski racing at all for a long while before my diagnosis because I would be in the start gate of a race crying my eyes out um because I couldn't control my emotions but also I couldn't really see so like the sort of outer bit of my eyes would always go foggy and like I couldn't there was no coordination nothing so like I was crying out of frustration probably but also a little bit like I could not control any emotion so there was quite a few signs that I wasn't okay for maybe a year or two before that did at first did you think it was just um anxiety because I've never heard of about celiac like forgive me for my ignorance but I've never heard that celiac affects like I thought it was just kind of like a gut gut issue I didn't realize it affect all these yeah. other things um, to be fair, you're not the first person to ask that. Someone told me to go and see a psychiatrist. Really? And yeah, someone that I think it was a chiropractor at the time, but my physiotherapist suggested to actually, because it's a gut issue, um, gut issues affect your mood and like everything in life. Yeah. Anyway. So they suggested cutting out foods and they thought it might be, um, dairy at the beginning. So I cut that out, but I've got celiac in the family. So eventually we cut wheat out, we cut gluten out and everything just sort of like immediately improved. That's like, I think obviously straight away you probably didn't want to just like say, oh, it's celiac. You'd probably like prefer it to be something else first of all. So the psychiatrist could just tell you that you were anxious and you're like, great, sorted. (laughs) But yeah, no, unfortunately we've got celiac. Um, So you were also experiencing flare-ups trying, was that what you were talking about during the winter 2014 was that when you had the little fogginess yeah so like it didn't always happen because obviously I was quite careful about what I was eating after that but before that it would yeah I struggled to race most days so yeah like trying to qualify for the winter olympics and then that like you don't have any choice in that either like because you probably do have a bit of adrenaline and anxiety anyway and then that added on top of that I'm so glad that you eventually found out so then at least you can just have the anxiety you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah you do get nervous so it made it way worse so julia you also have celiac disease right yeah so we kind of um found out at the same same kind of similar time yeah she's Um, not got the symptoms i have and i'm very jealous yeah mine is a bit different so i used to be quite competitive in my running okay um uh so i always had quite 
a lot of issues with my breathing. So I went through quite a lot um, with the doctors trying to find out if it was asthma. Um, I was told that it was exercise induced asthma. And then like nothing worked. I was on every steroid pump there was and nothing improved my situation. Um, I actually went and saw a specialist and ended up having there's a test where you can have a camera that goes up your nose down to the back of your throat. And while you run, you can have it watch what your throat's doing. <laughs> As if um, running's not hard enough, just stick this down your throat. <laughs> Jeez. Um, but yeah, so I, found, I had a couple of surgeries to help what was going on in the back of my throat. And then I actually found out when my sister was going through the trial and error with the food that actually the food was triggering quite a lot of the problems as well. Um, so yeah, you don't actually realise how much food really triggers. Yeah, that's crazy. Because you would all just automatically think if you were having like breathing difficulties, you would just think it was asthma, right? You wouldn't put two and two together; yeah. it'd be that. But how frustrating it must have been when you're running, you're like my legs aren't tired. It's just yeah. my lungs. How annoying! Yeah. yeah. So how it does it affect you from day to day? Like, are you on like a pump, like some sort of as not asthma pump, but celiac pump? No, it's just literally just manage it by diet wow so and what is it like to be really cautious the main things that you've had to cut out is wheat lactose when did you it's find this out by like... the way 2014 so i'm gonna win it 10 years ago is that my maths i'm like this is why i do <laughs> podcasts guys not a mathematician <laughs> it is just mainly wheat and gluten as a kind of like for us dairy was fine um so yeah, it's just being careful. Even going out for like meals at restaurants and stuff, you've got to be careful. Like my sister's more, um, what's the word? Like you're very, very sensitive. Something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Compared to me, so like cross contamination is even a massive thing when you go out. Um, whereas for me, I still be careful, but like I wouldn't react in the same way. Like oh. you would be sick instantly. Yeah, you, if, you if had I eat even... something that's even got a little bit of gluten in, then I will be in the bathroom throwing up. Oh no, that's so awful. Like that must just like have mm. such a, I mean, you've obviously managed it now for 10 years, but it must still be, I mean, it's just frustrating that you just can't lead, lead a free life. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, especially when you see all the really good food. Yeah. And but, we come from a massive Italian family as yeah. well. Oh my god, so you can't have the pizzas anymore? <laughs> oh my god, no. Um so question, does it help that both of you I know that Julia, you don't get it as bad, but does it help that you both have the same condition? So at least like at least one of you isn't just sitting eating pizza like, hey, you can't eat this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so, because then you're not like left out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And who in the family does it also run in? You say it runs in the family. Is it your parents or is it further out than that? Um, so my cousin's actually got celiac. Um, I'm pretty sure my mum's got celiac, but it's like undiagnosed because she's just gone gluten-free for us anyway. Okay. Well, that helps, doesn't it? If it's not in the yeah. house, then there's no fear of cross-contamination. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when did you? when and why did you decide to start your social media platforms? Um, oh. That was like a lockdown thing. So we actually always had an Instagram page because of skiing. Um, it just wasn't really getting used very much or like wasn't getting used at all no. because the racing kind of size kind of stopped. Um, and then in lockdown, when TikTok started to become a big thing, um, we always thought, oh, we'll download it, have a look. Like, We're never going to use it. Always thought it was like, <laughs> look for, at like, you now. younger people. And then 
we just saw like challenges floating around that we were like oh let's try that and then started posting it and then it kind of just spiraled from there it's amazing yeah I think yeah. what I loved about your page is that because there is two of you, you can offer so much more than just like one person. Like I loved your like, you know, beginner advanced stuff um, because that is something that, you know, as a trainer, sometimes it's hard to be able to reach it to everybody to, you know, offer yeah. something for everybody. So it's really good that you have that versatility. And also it means that there's not just one of you thinking of all the ideas all the time. <laughs> Who is the person behind it? Like, is there someone that takes more control over it or, you know, are you both in it together? Um... So you're more recipes, yeah. Um, and I'm a level three qualified personal trainer, so I'm more workouts. And then um, you post on Instagram, and I post on TikTok. We split. We've the... like divided and conquered. <laughs> I need one of you. I need a sister <laughs> like that. It's just, it's because it's so much to think about, isn't it? Yeah, Especially yeah. like with the new like I was the same with TikTok. I couldn't get my head around it because I just thought it was for younger people. But now it seems like everybody's just over there talking about crazy things like we've just been talking about a skin thing called slugging like what the hell is that look it up afterwards or listen to the podcast afterwards and you'll you'll hear what it is um okay so has your relationship with sport and exercise changed since you had celiac like did it really affect how you were training did that have anything to do with like not um, doing competing anymore how has it affected you moving forward um Yes and no. So it's a large factor of why we aren't competitive in ski racing anymore. Um, it got to the point where before the diagnosis, it was a bit dangerous for me to be racing. Maybe mm. not you so much, but like if I couldn't concentrate nor really see it going at like 60 miles an hour down a downhill race, it wasn't exactly safe for me. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so so sad. yeah, that is a large factor. Yeah. And does, I suppose I'm getting deep now. Like, does that make you angry? But like, you know, or is it just something that you just took on the chin? You know, now you can use your platform in other ways, can't you? I'm like, I'm pretty sad about it still because I mean, we dedicated half our life to it, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, we wouldn't have the channel and the community that we have if we didn't give up ski racing. Yeah. Exactly, so, so pros and cons. It's a good and a bad thing. Silver lining. Yeah, yeah, it's good and it's bad. Um, speaking of um, how long it took you to be diagnosed, you know, kind of doing the FODMAP diet, as it were, would you, do you think there's enough awareness around things like celiac disease or polycystic ovaries? Like, do you think it's easy enough for people to figure out what it is or do you think that it's just a long-winded process for no reason? I don't think there's enough awareness about either of them, to be honest. Celiac, maybe more. Um, because it's an autoimmune, I think people take it slightly more seriously, but there's still not really enough awareness around it. Polycystic ovarian syndrome, I had to, and this is not something that like everyone's got access to, but unfortunately I had to go private to get my diagnosis. Same. Um, the That's the only way that I was getting it, unfortunately. So, and I was... I was lucky that I got that. Yeah. But that was from another separate problem. Like I had, I've got NASH, which is non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So I actually got my PCOS diagnosis from that. It's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? Like, was that from an MRI or something? No, so I actually... <laughs> MRI? I was competing at the time and I had different issues. So I just got like a blood test done and they were like, yeah, you have something wrong with your liver. Can you go see about that? So I went and saw about that and then something else popped up and I, I, I got referred to about eight different people. Oh, bloody hell. It's been, it's been a journey. 
Yeah. Are you? Do you feel better now, though? Are you like on on the road to full recovery and feel healthy? Yeah, yeah optimal? I have been for a while. I That's mean, great. It's it's a process, right? It's never going to go away. I can't ever get rid of the liver problem, and I can't ever get rid of PCOS. So it's a it, you manage it every day, but yeah, it's fine now. You just have to make the best out of a bad situation, right? yeah well i think you're so both very inspiring and it was absolutely my pleasure to meet you today thank you so much for coming on and telling us all about yourselves i wish you all the best for for the future and i will be doing your workouts i'm gonna actually (laughs) probably copy a few so watch this space and thank you girls have a great day and i will see you soon thank you thank you bye what an amazing pair of women how inspiring are those two so We now have another amazing guest after this break, Dr. Aisha Iqbal, NHS doctor and weight loss coach, and we're going to be discussing meal replacement shakes. See you then. Fubar Radio presents... What the Health with Gabby Allen. Joining me now is Millie Gooch, author and founder of Sober Girl Sobriety (laughs) Society. I need to know what is so bad about dating sober. I think it's just terrifying when it's something that you're not used to because I, when I was drinking and dating, you know, like you use it to calm your nerves, you use it for confidence, you rely on it. And I think that's the one thing I realised when I stopped drinking is how much I really relied on alcohol. It was always kind of say, you know, like, oh, I'm I'm not dependent on it. But for my confidence, I I was Mm. really. But I also think there's so many benefits to it. Like Mm. I I used to go on so many dates when I was drinking. I'd be like, they are the one. And then I'd meet (laughs) them a few weeks later sober and I'd be like, we've got nothing in common what was going through my mind i'd be like oh it was because i yeah. was drunk access all areas with bobby norris Harpreet, how are you my love <laughs> i'm great thank you how are you it looks fun in there i want to talk about this because obviously you met your partner on the apprentice when did you start to get that feeling i mean i'm into him and this is more than just a, a banter or a friendship because it's a close environment being on a show like that isn't it I really wish I could sit here and give loads of juicy gossip that actually we used to secretly meet in the laundry room on the show, but we didn't. Um, and when I actually last spoke with yourselves, it, I think it was right after I'd won, we weren't even flirting, never mind dating. First time that I thought I actually fancied him was when I watched him on TV and I watched episode <laughs> one. Oh, how fun Hang on. You know, he's actually really good looking. Politics Uncensored with Ali Milani. And joining me in the studio, we have Deputy Leader of the Green Party, Zach Polanski. Zach, thank you so much for joining us. How are you keeping, Zach? I'm great. Thanks for having me. How are you? So you, you're hoping for four MPs in the general. You think that's going to happen? Yeah, that's absolutely the minimum at what we're I don't want to be Piers Morgan here, but will you take out... I don't have a £1,000. Will you take a £100 bet with me that you'll get four MPs? Well, I do everything in politics to talk about the harms of gambling. So for me to Very place good. a bet on there would be pretty, you know, pretty horrendous. We spoke, we spoke, <laughs> we, before we had you on, uh, we, 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 we discussed with the producers as to whether I should do the bet joke um, and I said I would because I, I had every faith that you would answer it in the way I expect a politician sure. of any moral and we should also talk about standing. cryptocurrency which also is very yeah. problematic Rishi if you're, if you're listening mate that's how you answer a betting question you're listening to Fubar Radio Fubar Radio Fubar Radio Fubar Radio Fubar Radio Hi guys welcome back Joining me now is Dr. Aisha Iqbal, NHS doctor and weight loss coach. Hi, Aisha, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here with you. Thank you so much for coming on and sparing some of your time. It's lovely to meet you. 
I'm excited for our chat today. I feel like you're going to have to rein me in because I've got loads to say. Oh, you and me both. We can just talk all day. Well, we've got 13 minutes, so we can try and squeeze as much in as possible. (laughs) So let's just get straight into it then. What exactly are meal replacement shakes? So they're kind of exactly what they say on the tin in that they are shakes that are made to replace a meal. So like your breakfast or your lunch or your dinner. And they're they're basically filled up with lots of different nutrients. Um, But the main aim of them is to have those nutrients, but with fewer calories than what you would probably eat from having the meal is essentially kind of the way that they are marketed and sold um, as being a replacement for your meal. Okay, so would you say that they actually are as nutritious as having a balanced meal in front of you do they fill you up like regular food would do is there pros to it or is it all cons or basically yes or no um well if i had to say yes or no straight away i'm gonna say no but the the thing is that there are studies that have been done that show that when people have some meal replacement shakes as opposed to just dieting that they might lose a little bit more weight being just on the on the um on the shakes but obviously that comes down to the fact that you are lowering your calories Mm -hmm. but actually the the nutrients we get from food like real food that we're eating is always going to be far more beneficial for us than what we find inside these shakes because the thing that we have to remember as well is as much as these shakes will be filled with um you know protein and fiber and things but they've also got artificial ingredients as well especially in the in the form of kind of um your preservatives and your sweeteners, which in the grand scheme of thing of why do you want to lose weight? Most people will say they want to feel healthier. Is that really getting you the ultimate goal that you want to have? Um, So it is very much a short term fix because again, how long are you going to have a shake instead of a meal? And as soon as you go back to kind of eating in your normal habits again, that weight is more likely to come back on again. Um, And so you're kind of back to square one, which nobody wants to be in that situation. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. <laughs> I have actually done um, a meal replacement diet before. This was years and years ago. And I can literally say what you've just said for kosher that I just put all my weight back on straight away. Um, yeah, and, and that part of that is also because when you follow any kind of restrictive diet or you replace your food with shakes and stuff, you're not looking at what drove you to eat in that way in the first place or what drove those poor health habits you're just looking at what can I change really quickly to get me some quick results Um, and like you say those results don't last but then you're back to not actually having dealt with the cause behind your weight gain in the first place it's kind of just like a quick fix right Yeah. yeah yeah exactly but that being said would you recommend for someone who is overweight trying to lose weight it is kind of not replacing all of their meals with meal replacement shakes, but maybe replacing their breakfast with something would have a benefit because then when they go back to their actual, you know, eating proper food for their breakfast, it would be easier to transition over rather than doing a whole day's worth of food in shakes back to food first. Yeah, and so I think the important thing here is to remember that everyone's um, situation with their weight is very individual. It's not the same. It's not the same thing for everyone. So one of the um, one of the things that the NHS is doing with the Diabetes Path to Remission program is that they're going to be offering shakes and soups to to reduce down the calories that people with diabetes are eating to help them with getting rid of some of that weight in the initial kind of twelve weeks because it's known that if you uh, well, studies have shown that lower calorie, uh, low, lower calorie diets can reverse some of the effects of um, type two diabetes, and so it, it can be helpful in in 
for some people mm. um and i think the most important thing is whilst you do that with replacing some of your meals with shakes is also to really educate yourself about the nutrition of what you then need to change with your food in the in the long term so that once like you say you kind of go back to eating in a normal way that you're not putting that weight back on again um so it it does have some value for some people yeah um i just think it's very important to look at the bigger picture yeah um, when, we're, when we're talking about weight loss of course when it comes to weight loss it's you don't have to do the meal replacement shakes if you were in a deficit then you know that also will then therefore lead to you losing weight and i think that is one of the easiest ways that's why that is why people use meal replacement shakes a lot of the time yeah. is because it's the easiest way to get into a deficit but still by consuming something that's what i've found with some people that i have trained before um yeah. because it's just they're still having some calories but they're able to monitor how much they have rather than having full a full meal you know yeah yeah and it, and it does create a feeling of fullness because of the fact that these shakes will have like I said, protein and fiber in yeah. higher quantities than what people might be able to consume with their food. Um, and they do tend to have thickness and stuff as well. So that it's it's going to create that idea of I've eaten something, something's in my belly, so I'm not hungry. Um, and like you say, that does then help people reduce down their calorie intake. Yes. So also speaking of the type 2 diabetes pattern remission program. So they're doing all the shakes and stuff. Are they then... Is there a next step in the program where they start to introduce the how to eat properly with the food first approach? Or is it just a take your take your shakes and run with it? So from my understanding of it, it's it's 12 weeks where um, they put people on re, like kind of a low calorie diet with those um, shakes and soups and things. And then after those 12 weeks, they continue to give support for up to 12 months with helping to reintroduce food and to support individuals to be able to then um, kind of follow on with changing their eating habits so that they can maintain the loss that they've experienced. Yes. And also, do they have, is it like, do they take a lifestyle approach approach to it as well? Because obviously it doesn't all just come down to food, right? It comes down to so many other things like how active you are, your sleep health, if you exercise, all of those things. Do they, do they educate them in that respect too? So that's actually a really interesting question because when I was doing research into it, I was trying to find the answer to this because I'm a big believer that like the lifestyle side of things is a massive Huge. part of weight management. But the only thing I could really find was more about the support with the food mm. um so i'm not quite sure whether they actually will have extra support from the lifestyle point of view and um, it seems to be mostly just support to reintroduce food and to make changes with your uh food choices that you have um but certainly like you say when it comes to weight management you have to be also looking at all the other things that make up life because your your weight is a product of the lifestyle that you're leading exactly really, isn't it? Mm -hmm. exactly and i think Maybe they're just going as a, you know, let's tackle one thing at a time kind of vibe. But as you said, when it comes to weight loss, you there's so many contributing factors. It's not all just down to how much food you eat. Because, you know, some people eat loads of food, but they also train loads. So that's how they maintain their weight. You know, in the opposite way around, you have bodybuilders that have to eat loads, loads and loads of food in order <laughs> yeah. to grow. So it's like the opposite effect. They, have, they don't have meal replacement shakes. They have meal surplus shakes <laughs> to get more in. Um, get all the calories yeah, in. Yeah, give it to me. Um, as a weight loss coach, what are your top tips for people wanting to lose weight or to get a bit healthier? 
so this is where I need to keep it concise because there's so many things that I could say here. Um, I think as somebody who works a lot with women, I think one of the things that's really important for women to understand is how their um, menstrual cycle or their female health could be impacting their eating habits. So really understanding what's happening with my cycle. Is there any changes that I experienced just before my period and really getting in tune with that? Because that actually can give you so much information about your hunger levels and kind of when you have the energy to to move and exercise and this varies from woman to woman um and i think the other thing is also where we're talking about lifestyle stress and sleep is a huge part to your hunger and your weight management and really looking at kind of am i sleeping well am i really stressed out is there a pattern that i notice that when i get really stressed out i then eat loads or i make poor food choices because Often when we're we're thinking about food, we think I'm hungry, I need to eat. But actually, is there something else driving that hunger? Is it actually physical hunger is or is it hunger from an emotional stress point of view? And I think when, you know, all of this is about just being more mindful with with yourself. And I think when we are more mindful, it gives us a lot more information about what we are naturally doing, doing rather than just being like, I'm so lazy, I'm so greedy, I can't do this because that mentality and that mindset doesn't actually help you with making the sustainable changes that you want to make. Um, so I'd say those are probably like my key things. And then obviously also getting a grip, uh, getting to grips with nutrition and understanding like where can I get good protein from? Where can I get good fiber? Um, how can I change some of the ultra processed foods in my diet for something that's a little bit more healthy? Um, and I guess the final thing is also to have patience and remember that it's a, it's 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 kind of like taking small steps in the right direction for the long term rather than just doing something now for a couple of weeks seeing a bit of result and then finding yourself going backwards again and then feeling really really demotivated because yeah. you feel like i can't do this yeah i love that last one patience is absolute key patience consistency and discipline and determination and what else can we yeah. add in there <laughs> motivation it's so yeah. true everything that you just said i'm like yep yeah, round of applause for you that is exactly what i would also say um it literally comes down to just sticking with it education and being more mindful literally that yeah and and i think also the thing is is that it's not just a journey that's going to be like a to b there's going to be ups and downs things are going to happen you might experience something which then makes you kind of fall off the wagon a little bit and that's completely fine because it's not a destination it's a journey it's just yeah you're you want to live a healthier lifestyle and that's you know for as long as you're alive for it's not a case of like oh tomorrow i want to have sorted everything out and that's it yeah just remembering that actually there are going to be ups and downs but as long as you're heading in the right direction and you're doing all the things to keep you healthy both physically and mentally then you're on the right track um and i think kindness goes a long way and that's something that we often see in the kind of fitness weight loss industry where if if you have no kindness towards yourself it's going to be harder for you to maintain those changes that you want to make i absolutely love that what a way to <laughs> conclude everything basically we all just need to be more patient and kinder with ourselves i absolutely love that and i'm going to take that on board as well because i'm also a culprit to it myself you know um i have maybe a bad day of eating and i give myself a hard time but actually it's all about what you're doing 80 percent of the time not that little 20 percent of the time that you know knocks you off thank you for that you've given me a lot of inspo for today <laughs> it was so amazing to meet you aisha i would love to meet you again and have another chat because I feel like you've got so much to say and I'd love to know more of it. But unfortunately, that is our 13 minutes.
I know. Well, we, I think we did all right to kind of like yeah, no, you smashed it. The questions. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely smashed it. I learned so much within like sort of short amount of time. So thank, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, love. Have a great thank day. You. you too. Bye bye. What another boss woman. Absolutely loved that. And it's true, guys. Like, the main thing is just consistency, discipline, and and sticking with it. And just knowing that, as Aisha said, it's a journey. It's not just an overnight thing. If you really want to make sustainable changes for a healthy lifestyle and live forever slash just longer, then there's just things that you need to put in place. Stick with them because what's that saying? Practice makes perfect. No, we don't want that. Practice makes better. Because... The more you do something, the more it becomes more momentum, becomes a bit more routine, and the healthier, mindful changes that you make will then they're, then become just like more second nature to you. So that's what it's about, making baby steps to get to the destination which is never fully reached because it's, you know, a journey. No, no, you know, you know what I'm saying. Okay, anyway, chatting absolute garbage. Moving on to listener questions. Dawn asks, what are your thoughts on barefoot shoes for lifting? Would you recommend using them or should I just lift barefooted? Okay. Barefoot shoes over barefoot because there's so many things that can go wrong if you have barefoot in the gym. You could trip over something. You could stump your toe, which nobody wants to do. It's the worst pain in the history of mankind. You can drop something on your toe. Somebody else could drop something on your toe. If you have shoes on, whether they're barefoot lifting shoes or any other shoes, you are have that extra layer of protection against the stubbed toe. That's my first thing. And then I would also say the barefoot shoes are created so you have more, like, basically so you can spread your toes and so your feet and your toes can move how they are physically, like, designed to do. So they are great in that respect, but I wouldn't therefore say it's barefoot shoes or nothing. You can get so many other shoes that also provide the similar, the same or similar service as a shoe. For example, I wear a Nike Metcon 5. It enables me to spread my toes. It also is flat enough that I am essentially, if I didn't have the shoe on, I would be, um, you know, in the same position with my feet. Um, and it gives me the stability to therefore lift heavy weights. But I wouldn't necessarily use them for running. For running, I would use a Nike Zoom, which is different. If you look at the bottom of a Nike Zoom, they are... Um, almost like ice skates they're like so like slimmer and that's for streamline that and they're bouncy cushioned um soles so you know you go faster it's a completely different kind of shoe to the Nike Metcon 5 so essentially in a nutshell which I'm not very good at doing but in a nutshell you barefoot shoes are great but you can also find the same um effect from other flat trainers too moving on to Miranda's question what are your thoughts on waist trainers okay so the thing is with waist trainers is they people get in their heads that they're just going to create to you a waist and you know give you the hourglass figure, which might be true if you wear a really tight one for a long amount of time. Um, but I wouldn't recommend it as it it's not good to wear something compressing you in your center at all times. Yes, it can encourage you to sweat more and therefore make you bear more calories. However, it can't specifically target belly fat. Unfortunately, nothing apart from liposuction can target belly fat. And we do not recommend that on this show. 
Um, but it's and it's also moist trainers can also be used as a kind of um, method to not overeat because obviously if you put a corset on and you're sat here and you try and eat a big meal, it's going to be physically impossible because you are actually confined. Your space in your stomach is confined. So there's pros in that way. But I would actually just say to you. If you're looking for a smaller waist, there's so many ab exercises that you can do, rotational movements um, that will help you trim your waist. And also it all comes down to your body fat percentage and getting yourself in a deficit and losing the weight. That is how I would recommend to do it over a waist trainer, but each to their own. Um, And moving on to my third and final question, can you explain progressive overload, what it actually is, how to do it effectively? And I feel like I feel that... Blah, blah. Annie says, I feel like I see everyone talking about it, but when I get to lift heavier, I can't. So progressive overload, what is it? It's essentially, if you have a structured program for, say, four to six to eight weeks, you work on the same exercises from week to week and you gradually increase your weight, your rep volume, as in you add reps, or you add in things like a pulse or a pause that can also make the exercise harder. So that is essentially it. Annie, you don't always have to add weight in order to progressively overload. The whole point in doing it is to increase strength, increase increase muscle mass, and you know get the gains. But it kind of depends on what you're looking for. I would say for somebody that is trying to get um, stronger and build muscle mass, you would be looking at increasing your weight over time. But that doesn't have to be jumping from a 10 kg to a 15 kg. You can do it by literally one kg per time and that shouldn't also be week by week if it takes you three weeks to get to that point fine everybody's different and also depends on what you're eating how well you're rested what your recovery was like there's so many contributing factors but essentially i would say if you can't add weight initially try adding a little pull um little pulse or a little pause as that automatically makes a rep harder or increase how many reps you're doing. So eventually, I reckon if you say, let's go for an overhead shoulder press, you've got 8 kg. The next week you try, you can still only really do 8 to 12 reps, 12 rep being your max one at 8 kg. Stick with it, but add a pause. And I can guarantee you within two weeks time, you probably won't be able to do the pause anymore, but you'll be able to add a, a kg or two. So I hope that helps. And it was amazing answering your questions today. We've had so many in and these were just some of the favorite ones. So make sure that if you're listening and you enjoyed these answers, you send them into What The Health Show on DM and we will try and get back to it as many as we can. Maybe we'll do four next week. We'll see how much time we have. Um, but I think today's show was so amazing. Like a group of really inspiring women. It's so great to speak to females that make me want to do and be better. And I literally, I've just asked the team if we can like extend the show because there were so many questions I wanted to ask. So we'll just have to get them back on. But I hope you enjoyed it as well. And um, as always, it's been a pleasure being your host today. I will see you again next week for another amazing show. Lots of love. 